Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. If you agree with me that Jesus Christ is the best thing that ever happened in your life, and if you think it's time to enthrone the exiled king in your life, are you ready to take self off the throne? Amen. Now I want you to stand up for about 30 seconds and give him a crazy praise. Hey, Jesus. Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Woo! Woo! Jesus. Woo! That we've had self where he was supposed to be. I've been, I've been impressed since about 5 o'clock to do one thing at the beginning of the service tonight. Every one of you that's standing for an unsaved loved one, and I mean immediate family or household relative, you feel, if you want to, just let me see your hand. Anybody that's got a hard case, they need to get in. This is the year where you are the highly favored people of God. You know something? When you got saved, the whole bunch of them got favored. Jesus! I, and so I'm extending my faith with you tonight in this year of Jubilee. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, in the name of Jesus... We plead the blood of the Lamb to cover our households. We will not take this any longer, devil. We are claiming the best that God has for us, our families to be saved. In Jesus' name, we believe we receive it. And Satan, you take your hands off God's property and do it now in Jesus' name. Loose them and let them go free in the name of Jesus. Loose them. Loose them. Loose them. Loose them. And let them go free. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You may be seated. The last place I preached, I forgot to tell them to be seated. And 45 minutes later, they were all going like that. Well, you're obedient. Really, I have a very simple message. Tonight. Just, I just want to share a few thoughts with you. The Lord has seemingly, since 1993, dealt with my life in seasons. And I knew Sunday, actually a little before that, after Pastor Scott and I had a chance to talk, I knew that another season was coming. And there's, there's some signs uh, that you can tell. For one thing, a bunch of stuff started happening. Unusual things, vans breaking down, uh, tape equipment blowing up. You know, now I take my covenant with God seriously, and I realize that God's not the author of any of those things. But sometimes, just before you're headed for the biggest breakthrough of your life, Satan's going to rear his ugly head. 
And he's going to cause some problems. But how many believe with me tonight that you don't have to accept that? How many knows there's a, a higher word? Well, I've always taken my heritage very seriously. I'm, a, I'm a thoroughly Pentecostal to the bone. Okay? And I don't mean any disrespect to any Baptist or Methodist or Episcopalians or whomever. I, I preach in more Methodist churches than just about any place else, and I love them. But the Lord began to share with me that to understand where we're going in the future, and I believe this speaks to you as well, we have to understand where it is that we have come from. We have to understand the tears, the cryings, the sacrifices. That's a word you don't hear much about in the body of Christ today. I like what Pastor I don't think God's too much interested in how many Cadillacs you have parked in your front yard. I don't think God's too much interested in the house that you live in. I don't think He cares to see your name in lights. Okay? I think God is interested in establishing His kingdom in this earth. And, the, and by the way, the covenant that you and I have entered into, we hear everybody saying, I've got a covenant with God, a covenant with God, a covenant with God, and we do. But do you know it has very little to do with you and me? Do you know that God cut a covenant with His Son, paid for with the, in the blood of His Son? There, you can't break it into the book of Joel, and we'll start here. Time is a quarter to... Atlanta. Book of Joel, chapter 2. Fear not, O land, be glad and rejoice. Three things for us to do. Fear not, be glad and rejoice, for the Lord will do great things. Now in my reference in the center, it says the Lord has magnified himself to do great things. The Lord has magnified Himself. You say, what can I do for God? What can I possibly do, little old me? This, this church, this great New Life Assembly of God, new building project going up, uh, outreach to the community that probably this community has never seen before, like it's seeing it right now. What can I do? Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. The Bible says the Lord has magnified Himself. Follow that along in your thinking because it's not going to be you anyway. The Lord has magnified Himself. Be not afraid, ye beasts of the field, for the pastures of the wilderness do spring. Uh, for the tree beareth her fruit, the fig tree, the vine do yield their strength. Be glad then, ye children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God. For he has given you the former rain moderately. God calls splitting Red Seas moderate. God calls the prophet Elijah calling the fire down on the sacrifice moderate in compared to what we're going to see. He will cause to come down for you the rain, the former rain and the latter rain in the first month. Now that's, doesn't that strike you as kind of an odd... Any, any farmers in here at all? Doesn't that seem kind of strange to you? When it's supposed to be planting time, you're going to be planting and harvesting. When it's supposed to be harvest time, you're going to be reaping and sowing. Now, if you've read Charles Capps, I'm going really, really fast. Let me slow down. 
slower than I ever slow. Because uh, in this season that the Lord's taken me in, He's just laying a foundation in my life with this message right here. All year long we've preached on reaching your potential in Christ. This is the first message. You're the first people to not hear that sermon all year long. And you're the first people to hear this. So let me slow down just a moment. <clears throat> if you've read Charles Capp's book, and, uh, The End of Time, or End Time Events, anybody read that book? You should get that. He teaches in there about the triangle of time. If you can picture a triangle. Creation, second advent of Christ. We're running 6,000 years this way. That's the earth lease. We could go into theological debate about that, but we won't do that. What happens when you get down to about 1998? You see, time is collapsing in on itself right now. That's how this scripture is going to become uh, fulfilled. That is why this scripture could never before be fulfilled until today. Time is a key. It's the key to this building. It's the key to your healing. Why is it that I saw the lady come up here two, three, four weeks ago, whenever it was, instantly touched and healed by the power of God? Instantly. And yet, you break your arm and you have to have it in a cast for six weeks. Why, why is that? Time. And what God is showing us through this verse of Scripture right here is that as time compresses in on itself, you see, He's from eternity. Now, think about this relative to this building project, just for a moment. Jesus is in eternity. And this is a process of time. But guess what He can do when you get Him into that? What normally would take three years can be done in a month. What normally takes a lifetime of preparation, we're going to see ministries coming up. You're going to see people walking in off the street that revolutionize this church in conjunction and under the, the subjection to the pastor. Vision is connected to time. Time governs every developmental process of life. It, develop, it, it, it envelopes... Let me see how I put that down here. Isn't that amazing? Time is what unfolds revelation of Scripture to you, to me. Jesus operates in eternity. He bypasses all the processes of time and at a word, things happen. I had a vision in 1987. I was walking through a field, I guess you'd call it. Trees, a cope of woods all, all the way around. And you know what? I didn't know any of you people then. didn't know you from Adam. And I saw this thing. I saw a revival center in northern Michigan. Now, northern Michigan. But it's here. If we'll stay faithful to what God's given each of us to do. You see, how did, how did Tim... Anybody know who Tim's story is? 
your your big your big thing. Every every one of you is so important to God. You're so important to your pastor. Your big thing though is going to be found in the little. The day of small beginnings. And what I, what God's been speaking to me to tell you tonight is that you need to become so welded. Praise God. Praise God. Let's make me finish this up. And the floor shall be full of wheat, the fat shall overflow with wine and oil, and I will restore to you the years that the locust hath eaten. I will every time, you know, every time your car broke down and you had to pay the bill and you shouldn't have had to pay it, it's coming back to you. You just stay faithful. You just stay faithful in these days. Every time your kids got sick and you had to take them to the doctor and you're a covenant person, you pray, you believe God, you stand on the word, but they got sick, you had to pay that bill. Guess what, devil? It's coming back. I, I don't think you're in the building. Am I in here by myself? It's coming back. Yeah. Why? You know what it's going to do, don't you? No, you don't know. It's going to build this building. Yeah. Yeah. And it's going to buy Bibles for teenagers in this community that have never seen one at all. Right here in America that have never seen a Bible in all of their life. Mama don't read the Bible. Daddy don't read the Bible. How are we supposed to teach them to read the Bible? Well, I'll tell you. You. Why don't you just <clears throat> grunt or something out there and let me know you're alive. Yeah. Hallelujah! Yeah. Glory to God. I will restore to you the years the locust hath eaten, the canker worm, the caterpillar, the palmer worm, my great army which I sent among you. And you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied. And praise the name of the Lord your God that hath dealt wondrously with you, and my people shall never be ashamed. My people shall... Hey, 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 hey. You want to know something? When, when you get saved... When I got saved, nobody had to teach me, read the Bible. I got saved. When I got saved, nobody had to teach me to go into the community and tell people about Jesus. You couldn't keep me in the church. It's been my problem all of my life. See, what's missing? This is, I'm getting ahead of myself, but what is missing from what we're reading here and what we're seeing in 1998 in most of the church? What is missing in what we're seeing in our lives today and what you're seeing when you read the book of Acts? You can't, you can't read the book of Acts and think that all is well. Where are the shadows? Where's Peter's shadow? Huh? Where's, where's the prayer until the place is shaken? Well, I'm going to tell you tonight briefly what they had. They had, you know, we've got everything. We've got beautiful music. They do a great job. We've got guitars and pianos and organs and we've got synthesizers and we've got microphones and, and these things. 
We should be able to do the job. You know what we don't have? A revelation of Jesus. The thing that the early church had that we don't have is a revelation of who Jesus is and who we are in Him. Nobody, I am not ashamed to preach the gospel of Christ. I am not ashamed to witness to my neighbors, to witness to the guy across the street. I'm not ashamed. Okay, moving right along. Thank you. My people shall never be ashamed, and it shall come to pass afterward. that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, your young men shall see visions, and also upon the servants and upon the handmaids in those days I will pour out my spirit, I will show wonders in the heavens and the earth, blood, fire, pillars of smoke, etc., etc. Look at verse 32. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. Well, Brother Paxton, I just can't get free. You know, I'm struggling with the same. I'm trying. I'm trying. Do me a favor. Quit trying. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. You need to see Jesus. You know, leave your, leave your Pentecostal, Assembly of God, Baptist, Lutheran tradition home. And come in here and see Jesus and get behind this man of God. And the minute that you hook up, we'll flood in. Because people out there aren't like people in here. They're hungry for reality. They're hungry for a moving of God's Spirit. They're hungry for somebody that will care enough about them to cast the devil out of them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, you go to Dr. Know-it-all's church down the street, and you get done listening to Sister Blabbermouth, you know, and nobody cares enough to tell that sinner you can be free. And after all, that's why we're here. That's why we're here. Now, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered, for in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance, as the Lord hath said, and in the remnant whom the Lord shall call. Now, I am not naive enough tonight to think that I'm preaching to everybody. But I know I'm preaching to somebody. God has never worked with a multitude. He's always worked with a remnant. You know, back in the days when Pentecostals were stoned and rotten egged and spit upon, we were effective. We were deadly to the devil. Now, we're uptown, big britches, mainstream, and something's happened. But I got good news for you. That's the negative side. Here's the good gospel news for you tonight. This is the triangle of time that we're coming to. And there's going to be the greatest outpouring of His Spirit in the next two years. Two years. The greatest outpouring of the Spirit of God this world has ever known. And every one of us are in on it. Isn't that the good news? We don't have to be outside trying to get in. We're here. But before we can see this happen, we've got to go somewhere else first. There's another path we have to travel. And if you turn over to John, 
the Gospel of St. John, chapter 4. pastor preached from chapter 3, and I'm going to preach from chapter 4. If we keep this up, we'll cover the whole book. Verse 31. In the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. But he said unto them, I have meat to eat that ye know not of. I want you to notice the tremendous dichotomy that's here. The contrast between the way the disciples were looking at things and the way Jesus was looking at things. Eat! I have meat to eat that you know not of. And they thought somebody brought him some food. But he goes on to clarify himself and he says, my meat that which nourishes me and sustains me and gives me purpose and gives me strength and gives me value, my meat is to do the will of Him that sent me and to finish His work. How many of you know tonight that as Christians we should be finishers? We don't want to start a building. We don't want to start a ministry. Hey, brother, you're going to start a ministry. No, we don't want to start one. We want to finish it. We want to do His will. Because that's where our strength will come from. That means that my power as a Christian is in my task. Whenever you diminish your task, whether it's going out knocking on doors, whether it's serving up here, serving up here, Serving back there, whenever you diminish your task, guess what you've done? You've cut your power. Now, I don't understand why it is that it's hard to get people to go do the work of the ministry. I bet you this. Now watch. I hope I don't. If I do, you think it's easy to be him? Do you do you, do you know? And, and I'm I'm not. You know what it's like at 3 o'clock in the morning when all the lights are off. There's no choir singing, hold the fort. You know, there's just you and God and He looks and He sees your face and He sees your face and He sees your face. Do you know what that's like? So, the heart of the human problem is the problem of the human heart and the mission and the commission of our commission is to reach them. And I don't understand for the life of me why we can't get people on these soul winning teams. Do you know how blessed you are? You're the only church in the truth. You know, my wife and I came from a church where we attended for a while. I don't know why. Sorry. Forgive me. I love, uh, you know. But they wouldn't go. You know, they were forever meeting over at Sister Donna's house, over at Sister Betty's house, over at Brother George's house having all kinds of stuff going on, but they weren't down at the Shell Mini Mart where the kids were smoking pot. They weren't down there where the graffiti was on the wall. Okay? And I really believe that through pastor, your pastors, that God is issuing you a challenge to step in and increase your power by entering into His labor. 
by entering into his labor. First of all, you really need to undergird him in prayer. Secondly, you need to give. And thirdly, you need to go. Well, I'll probably never get to come back here again. Um, okay, let's see, let's see another, another way here. My meat is to do the will of him that sent me to finish his work. Say not ye... Now, this is not as a question. Many, or I mean, this is as a question. Many people read it as a statement. Don't say there's four months yet to the harvest, but rather look now as the harvest. But this is a question, at least in my Bible. Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest? Well, Jesus knew what he was talking about. Someday there's revival coming. Someday we're going to have a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Someday, someday, the Holy Ghost is going to come. Someday, someday, hey, hey, revival's here now. One of the greatest men of God that ever lived, Dr. Lester Summerall, was, was blessed by a man by the name of Smith Wigglesworth. A struggling evangelist. Really, he was a big two-fisted plumber. And when he laid his hands on you, you know that something hit you. But he, he told Dr. Summerall the last time they were ever together in this world, he said, there's a revival coming the likes of which planet Earth has never seen. I, I see hospitals being emptied out. I see the sick running down in their hospital gowns in the streets. I see the praises of God going up from the earth. I won't see it. But you, Lester Summerall, will see it. Now how many knows that Dr. Summerall went home to be with the Lord in 1996? And Christians all over, where's the revival? How could Dr. Summerall die? Well, could it be that the revival's on, you're just missing it? Because when you cut back on your task, you diminish your power. Sunday morning? Sun Sunday morning? I, you don't want me to say that. Sunday morning. Sunday morning Christians. Convenience driven. Convenience driven. Counterfeit Christianity. I'll get behind here in case you got any spears or darts. Convenience-driven Christianity is not what Jesus is looking for. Don't you say there's four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes. You know what he's saying here? Open your eyes. <clears throat> there's a man across the hall that has cancer. Pray for him. There's a, there's a young boy walking down the street with long, shaggy hair, and he's hip and he's cool, but he's lonely inside. Go talk to him. There's a young girl that just had a baby at 14 years of age, and now nobody wants her anymore, but you're the light of the world, and go put your arms around her and bring her in. The fields are white already to harvest, and he that reapeth receiveth wages. Do, do, do any, how, many, how many men got jobs? That's a bad question to ask in northern Michigan. Okay, but do you go to work and get your paycheck and lay on the chair for the rest of the day? 
Do they pay you to do that? He that reapeth receiveth wages and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. See, this is the place we've got to go before we can get to Joel chapter 2. We've got to get to a place of solidarity. And, and for as many good ideas and opinions as we have out here, we've got God-ordained leadership. We've got God-ordained leadership that we need to become welded together with. I'm, out of, I'm almost out of time already. This is not even developed in my spirit yet. This is not even totally developed because I'm seeing... Let's read the 38th verse and I'll get ready to stop. I sent you to reap whereon you bestowed no labor. Other men labored. Smith Wigglesworth labored. Charles Finney labored. And you are entered into their labors. Pastor Scott labors. And you know, this is holy business that we're carrying on right here. You're just privileged to sit in on it. We're coming down to the time in the earth where every tear, every prayer, every tract that was given out, every Bible that was printed and distributed, we're coming down to the time where we're going to harvest all of that. Now, can you, can, you, can you fathom that? You think you're going to go out and win your little ten people and bring them in here. You know, you, there's been thousands of years of gospel preaching and thousands of years of outreach that we're going to harvest right now. And also, the Bible teaches you're going to get some tares right along with the wheat. But if you don't harvest... The wheat will die in the field. Somebody said, aren't you afraid of wildfire? I'd rather have wildfire than no fire. I, at least I can watch you burn. <laughs> you know, and I, I didn't come here to plug your pastor because I believe that every one of you loves him with all of your heart. I believe that... But I'm trying to get you to see that God looks at everything from an eternal perspective and He's not bound to time. He doesn't see it like we see it. You know, I, I, I really believe God's still looking at the cross. Every soul you win, I believe God still sees the cross. I believe God sees the day of Pentecost when Peter stood up. Peter! That denied him three times, a little sniveling weakling, he stood up and he preached a sermon and 3,000 people got saved. We've got men in the pulpits today that living holy, godly lives that have never denied the Lord that aren't getting 3,000 people saved. I believe God sees Martin Luther, Charles Finney, Smith Wigglesworth, Lester Summerall. Do you know that he was the first white man to, to hold major uh, campaigns in the country of Tibet? You go to Tibet and preach and they'll cut your head off. we got to beg Christians in the U.S. to... Witness on the job. But we're going to enter into their labors. And when this, when this harvest, we're just in the beginning days of it. Thousands and thousands and thousands are being saved in foreign countries. I wouldn't be a bit surprised if Brother Pastor didn't come back and tell us that he saw thousands come to Christ. Because over there, they're running to the altars. You know, and we have to sit and think about it for ten weeks. And then if we feel like it, we'll make a decision.
Okay, but when the Holy Ghost gets a hold of your heart, there's no decision left to be made. When you come in contact with the real deal, with the real deal, I'm not talking about a plastic Jesus on the dashboard of your car. I'm talking about a real Jesus. When you come in contact with that, you're going to do something. We're going to enter into their labors. Last of all, if, if Pastor would give me more time, see, I could have developed this better. I'm just so thankful that, that he trusted us enough to do this tonight. And we love him. We love him. And we're, we're going to see to it that, that verse 4. And with this, I'm going to close. Hebrews 11, 4. By faith, Abel. Offer. Faith is an offering. And I'm not, it's not speaking necessarily of money, even though that's a part of it, but it encompasses everything that we are. Faith is an offering. Faith By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. I thought we were saved by faith. Yes, we are. Mm-hmm. And when you're saved, there are certain works that are going to be birthed out of your salvation. He, he received witness that he was righteous by the excellent sacrifice that he offered. God was testifying of his gifts. And here's, here's the part I want you to see. And by it he being dead, yet speaketh. This, this is the, the critical point where we're standing today in the face of all eternity, in the, in the prophetic scheme of things. You know what a prophetic word actually is? So, so many people that I talk to, maybe it's because they're uninitiated in, in this, I don't know, um, but they think a prophetic word has to do with teaching on the time, signs of the end. And that's only a very small part of it. And I asked God one day, what, what is the definition of a prophetic word? And he said, it's a word that comes crashing from eternity and is thrust into time. And you just don't have too much time to catch it. And that's why so many people that should be sitting in great light today are sitting in darkness. And the, the world has lied very well. And we have oftentimes told the truth very badly. But, but in, the, in the scheme of all of this, this is where we're at. There, the faith of all of the godly people that have gone before us are speaking right there. And they're saying, build it up. Build it up. Build it up. Build up that preaching ministry. Build up that teaching ministry. Build up that Christian band that will go out and have concerts in the park and reach out to the youth. Go out and build up that, that, that girls club and that boys club. Do it. And God will call you. And God will use you. If you'll keep your eyes on Him. Now, I feel, I feel released in my spirit from this thing tonight. I wanted to preach another sermon. But I can't get away from this. I can't get away from this. And in the coming months, let me, let me say one more thing about Cain. Somebody wrote me a note. Oh, that's my handwriting. Cain brought an offering, so did Abel. God accepted Abel's and he rejected Cain's. That's kind of interesting. Cain did a good thing. He made an offering. That's a good thing. 
But it wasn't a God thing. Cain's offering wasn't pleasing to the Lord because only God, uh, God can only bless what He originates in us and not what we originate of ourselves. You know, if, if we try to bring to pass the promise of God in the flesh, we'll have an Ishmael on our hands. Only those works that have been truly wrought in Him will be acceptable to Him as fulfillment of His will for your life. This is where Cain got in trouble. Good is the enemy of best. We should seek for God's ideals instead of our own. And I'm going to tell you straight out, flat out, open and above board, God will always lead you, always lead you to his Moses, to his Elijah, and you'll be part of the company. But you'll never be out there on a white stallion all by yourself. And really, as cool as that may sound, hey, I'm the Lone Ranger, I'm doing my own thing, as cool as that might sound, when the forces of the enemy attack you, it's a very bad place to be. It's a very bad place to be. Father, I thank you for this time with the people tonight, Lord. I thank you, God, that you visit us here again in this sanctuary. Lord, I ask with every head bowed and eye closed, and this is just going to be brief, but I can't leave the service until I know if there's somebody here that has not made Jesus Christ the Lord of their life and they'd like to do that right now, I would like to just have you slip up your hand and say, would you pray for me? Would you pray for me, please? I'm going to wait just a moment. Just a moment. Father, we bless this people. We bless this people. We do pray right now for our pastors as they're not here this evening, Lord God that You would strengthen them, that You would guide them and lead them by Your Spirit. Lord God, let them know that this people that You have given them to shepherd stands behind them and loves them with an undaunted love and a, a loyalty, Lord, that goes beyond human imagination. Father, we pray in Jesus' name and we dismiss this people tonight in the name of Jesus to go and serve the Lord. Thank You, Jesus. Thank You, Jesus. Hallelujah.